From the Podcast Detroit studios and Zoom everywhere else, the making of champions. Professional boxers inspiring amateur athletes to become champions. Presented by Joe Lewis, champion of them all, bourbon and bigger than life entertainment. In association with USA Boxing, Golden Gloves of America, the producers of MAC Boxing, Making a Champion Series, and BigFightWeekend.com. Join your hosts, Tanya Cole and Marquise Johns, with special guests from around the world of amateur and pro boxing, celebrating the legacy of Joe Lewis, whose status as the first African-American national hero showed the importance of being a leader and a role model inside and outside of the ring. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, this episode of the Making of Champions. Um, with me today, I have Marquise Johns from Big Fight Weekend. Marquise, hey, how are you? Hey, Tanya, how are you doing this afternoon? Well, and who do we have with us tonight? Today we have on the program for the Make of Champions podcast, we are joined by a former National Olympic basketball star and a current boxing courtesy of the fine folks at the Engine Room down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are joined by Rose Branscom Anderson. Rose, how are you doing this afternoon? Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, first things first, because it's hard to, uh, to not look up your past co accomplishments and not ask about this. 2012, you were one of the first women on the Great Britain Olympic basketball team. And the way you got there is amazing, as well as the fact that you were one of the ones that were one of the first ones that made the cut. Can you, can you walk me back to that, actually? Yeah. So, so I was the, f the first and only Scottish girl so I'm, because I'm native born in Scotland. Mm -hmm. So I was the first Scottish girl to make the Great Britain team. So I made it on the team with a bunch of English girls. And we represented Great Britain in the 2012 Olympics. So it was, it was a ride, I'll tell you that. It was, it was tough. We had a, a, an Australian coach come in who had formerly coached China to like a silver medal in a former Olympics. He was a WNBA coach. And he was, I mean, he's a tough, tough guy. And uh, he came in and just kind of, turned us upside down and and uh and yeah it was it, w it was crazy with him he was he was hard culmination of their short season scotland's women's seven squad are currently in bergen norway about to compete in the fira a division championship a number of the players have been involved in 15 six nations some are returning for a further seventh season and some are completely new to the game like rose anderson who's transferred her Olympic basketball skills to the rugby field. Well, Rose, I know that you said that you were born in Scotland. Um, so for those of us, you know, those of us that love to travel like me, and then we haven't had a chance to do much of that. So I want to take you even further back to your childhood of growing up in Edinburgh. We would say Edinburgh here, but I think you all say it a little bit differently there. But tell us about life growing up there. Yeah, so... So I was born and raised in Edinburgh and all my family's still there. So I'm the only one that's over here. So um, I think the last time I was back there maybe was like four years ago. And it's crazy because every time I go back, it just changes drastically. Just such a booming place. But um, I grew up by the seaside, by the ocean. And um, I went to Portobello High School. And, you know, it's funny because when I, mo I moved to America when I was 18 on a basketball scholarship, I came over and played. And it's funny because you don't appreciate sometimes where you live and how beautiful it is. And not only that, how old Scotland is. You're talking about a country that has buildings older than the 
United States. And I obviously I was 18. I was young. I just didn't appreciate that sort of thing. But going back now and, you know, when I take family and whatever, I'm just like, how crazy is this? How old it is? And just the beauty of it, really. Not that, listen, I love, I love Oklahoma here and I love America. It's, it's, it's beautiful. But there's just something about that old architecture. We've got old castles. We've got Edinburgh has, Edinburgh, the city itself, is built over an old city back when they had um, all the uh, plagues. They basically built a city over a city okay. and, sh- and basically shut people in under there. So you can go down on a tour. You're walking like underground back in the olden days. It's just crazy. The history and all the stuff. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. I know you talked about the castle. Tell us about the Royal Mile and uh, Arthur's Seat and some other places. If we were to visit there, what are some other places that we should see? Yeah, so that tour, I want to say it's like the, the Mary Queen's Close tour is the one where you can go under underground the royal mile is just rich and vibrant and culture we've got the edinburgh fringe festival that runs during the summer and that's that brings tourists from all over the world but you're going to see uh, quaint pubs cafes stores you know uh, drinking culture in scotland is you know we, we like our drink so you're going to be able to try different drinks um you're going to be able to see all this the great sh- shopping and just the old architecture is just crazy the buildings um the castle touring the castle it's just i mean it's as an adult now and as i've matured i can realize it's it's beautiful you know and i've i've been super lucky enough that i've been able to travel the world with basketball when we played for great britain we traveled all over europe so i've seen most places i mean i've been at israel yada yada and listen edinburgh scotland's up there man on one of the best and that's not just from my bias opinion of being born there it's a good place it's good it definitely is i know for those of us here at joe lewis bourbon you know here we're celebrating national bourbon heritage month so there in scotland you guys are known for scotch right do you have do you have a favorite dram guys you're gonna hate me right listen (laughs) i went over and and we last time we were home me my sister and my partner we went on a tour okay we went on a whiskey drinking tour you know, whiskey was invented there, so we were learning all this different whiskey. Guys, I hate, I can't drink whiskey. I can't do it. I can't, I can't. I'm terrible. I'm a te- and I'm a terrible drinker. I'm not even that into drinking. I'm just a terrible Scottish person. Just, I, I, it's just too much for me. I can't. I'm it's sorry. Too much for you. It's oh too much. Oh my gosh. I'm a failure. I just, sorry. But I, I, did, I tasted it. I did taste it. And they've got all these, it's, the history of it is brilliant. You do all these great tours and you learn about sky and all this stuff and I just couldn't do it sorry I know that you guys got a, at least a hundred distilleries there and like four different whiskey making regions yes and when I was out shopping about I had to pick up of course the Johnny Walker right and I had to pick up you know the McAllen so right. um I enjoy it um, it's interesting that you don't gosh I'll have to I know, a trip with you and then I'll go on the whiskey tour and I'll take care I of know Lisa maybe I'm a cheap date, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to flip this in a positive Scottish person that doesn't drink whiskey and terrible at golf. Can't play golf either. I, I was wondering about that. I was like, okay, she plays basketball, she was rowing, rugby, boxing. What about golf? Yeah. All right. No. We're going to take a quick break. Um, the Making of Champions on Joe Lewis Bourbon and Podcast Detroit continues in one minute.
now we're back and we've had a a little bit of a, a chat with Rose, and we found out that she doesn't really partake of whiskey uh, very much. But Marquise, what else do you want to know about Rose? Absolutely, Rose. Uh, just taking back to back to your family and childhood. Uh, your your family is a family of athletes, which is what the research that I've done on my end here. And one of them that I noticed uh, in your family, and I want, want to partly listen to what we do here, is uh, your older brother Kenny, the Widowmaker, is a noted boxer who uh, had had fights with uh, George Groves on short notice and retired Robin Reed and being in the States these, these are these are these are not just generic names these are these are names that I actually, actually know nothing he has done has impressed Anderson in this life is his call of another left hook oh another one too open needed to cover up down again Dalwick in the middle of all that he can hardly walk back to the corner so my question to you Rose long story short is what got you to follow uh, the, the, the sport of boxing actually so with my brother being a boxer, I grew up going to the boxing gyms. So I was always around the sort of boxing gyms. You know, it was a, it's a culture in our family. I'm actually from a family of travelers, gypsies, like the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. And, and I commentate with them all as they're boxers. So I grew up in that environment. So I was in boxing gyms. Now, back then, it's a different story now, but back then, women just didn't box. You know, I'm, I'm 32 now. So back then... My dad didn't want me to do it. Now, even I remember even at the time, I'd, I'd get in the ring and I'd spar and they'd let me do stuff here and there and there was clear talent there, but it just wasn't a route that I was allowed to go down. So I went on and I pursued basketball, came over to America and, and did my years of college in basketball. Now, when I retired from, from basketball, I got into the rugby and did a rugby stint And then, um, and then got back. I actually came to the boxing gym. I said, I've got to get back to the gym. I've got to do something. I was gaining the pounds, had a little boy, wee boy, I'm getting fat, you know, and I'm like, I've got to do something to get it off. And I think when you've been a professional athlete and you've played something like basketball, it just wasn't something that I wanted to go and get fit by playing. So I said, I'll go to the local boxing gym. I know a wee bit about it. I'll get shed some pounds. I came along to the engine room here in Tulsa And uh, obviously I still had it from when I was a wee girl, just that, those fundamentals. And just, I think basketball translates so well to the movement aspect in boxing. They were like, listen, we got to get her. Rose, come on. They had me on the pads and they had me. So before I knew it, I, I came in for a little bit of weight loss and they've got me sparring men and, and getting fights and all that stuff. So it's exciting. It's, and it's still early stages, you know, so, so that's how it got going. I love it. So when we come back, let's see how Rose went straight to the top and fought in the Golden Gloves National Tournament on her first fight in the U.S. Be Joe Lewis. Three simple words to empower the legacy of Joe Lewis to inspire a new generation of champions. What does it take to become champions, leaders, future heroes? Joe Lewis was the hero America needed then. He fought for a nation. Schmeling was the Goliath. Lewis was the David. Probably the only time in the history of America that a black man ended up being a white hope. This fight was the biggest fight in the history of the world. In the middle of the 20th century, with their country in crisis, 
Americans found that hero among their own. We're going to do our part and we will win because we are on God's side. His stage was so big that downtrodden Americans, regardless of their age or race, felt a glimmer of hope creep into their lives just by watching him. In the end, it was a common man who reached the top and brought an entire country with him. From the podcast Detroit studios and Zoom everywhere else, the making of champions. Professional boxers inspiring amateur athletes to become champions. Presented by Joe Lewis, champion of them all, bourbon and bigger than life entertainment. In association with USA Boxing, Golden Gloves of America, the producers of MAC Boxing, Making a Champion Series, and BigFightWeekend.com. Join your hosts, Tanya Cole and Marquise Johns, with special guests from around the world of amateur and pro boxing, celebrating the legacy of Joe Lewis. Also, I'm, I'm talking about you, you're fighting any amateurs. I think you fought somewhere last year in Chattanooga because box trick, as you know, with records is brutal. In fact, you have a photo of you. I mean, I'm looking at a photo of you right now. Obviously, you're a human being. So, <laughs> chat me up on that right quick. How was that? How was that? How was that whole experience? I think it was like a whole like women's tournament. I want to say. How how was that whole thing going down? Um, the, are you talking about the Golden Gloves? Yes. Okay, listen, bro. Listen, this is crazy. This is crazy. So I'm at the gym, I'm training, and my coach is like, you're eligible for the Golden Gloves. Let's put you in. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. Bearing in mind, I've had zero fights, right? I've never had a fight in my life. Okay. So he puts me in. There's no one in Oklahoma, Kansas, or whatever that I have to fight. So I go straight to the National Golden Gloves <laughs> tournament with zero fights. Oh, geez. So I'm sitting, I'm around these world-class athletes, these USA boxers, yeah. At the national, you know, and you're talking about these, these, um, Northeast states and stuff, they're, they're doing the qualifications for that for three weeks. Yeah. Long, long qualifications, tough. And I'm at the Golden Gloves with no fights, right? <sighs> Crazy. So my first fight in the super heavyweight division, I was, um, I, it was straight into the semifinals. I fought this girl from Hawaii. Yeah, bam, yeah. bam, bam. Stopped her. Should have been stopped earlier. Put her away. And I'm like, this is crazy. So I'm into the finals and I'm just like, how can I be in the finals of the National Golden Gloves tournament, right? Yeah. But it's funny because there was a basketball player who was on the USA team that I saw and I'm fighting this girl that's a USA boxer, right, in the finals, this big girl. She's experienced. But I'm talking to my friend who used to be a basketball player and I'm like, listen, I hadn't had any fights before I came here and she kind of laughed at me, right? Yeah. She like was like, oh my gosh, she's an experienced boxer. So I kind of watch them and I see her go speak to the girl that I'm going to fight. And I saw her roll her eyes and I'm like, but I told her, I said, y'all don't underestimate me now right. so in the finals. And listen, she ends up beating me in the, I'm in the finals of the national golden gloves tournament. Right. Yeah. Beat my first girl, got to the finals. And I'm just like, and it's crazy because the finals was a whole lot different from the semifinals. You had that one ring that they moved. That was a bunch of rings, the semis. Yeah. Yeah, that one ring, the lights. I was like, oh, I was nervous. So I got on there. I started out a little rough, but I knew that I shook her with my power and my strength. And uh, I had her I had her on her back foot with a jab. Let me tell you, listen. If 
I had someone tell me at the gym, they said, I thought y'all, it was, you won it. If I had 30 more seconds, it was pure inexperience. If I had 30 more seconds, this is an experienced USA boxer. I had her on the ropes at the end, turning away from me almost. Oh. And you know, that's a no go. That's, no, that's a no, no. So, <laughs> so if I had, if I had the experience of a couple of fights, like if I was to go right now with her, listen, no wonder they got me on box record number one when I've had hardly any fights because yeah. they know it when they see it. <laughs> that's right. Right. It's an amazing story of how you went straight to the top and fought in the Golden Gloves awesome. um, in your first fight in the U.S. That's amazing. That's awesome. So, I'm, so we're pumped because, you know, uh, sadly with the coronavirus, they had to put off the Golden Gloves, but it's hosting here in Tulsa. So next year when it comes around, hopefully the corona will be gone and we'll be rolling but next yeah. year, it'll be here in Tulsa in my hometown. Let me tell you, you're, you're talking to a future Golden Glove champion because I caught a glimpse of that ring and that belt. It is nice, and I'm taking it. It's staying in Tulsa. Uh, it's <laughs> Marquise, we need tickets to that. We've got to yes, say yeah, that. yeah, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> it's just farcical i don't even understand don't compare women's boxing to men's boxing you're punching each other in the head I know that um, when you were fighting, when you were a, a young lady, um, your father didn't want you getting punched in the face. Um, how does he feel about that now that you're 32? I think I don't think any dad really wants to see their daughter getting punched in the face. <laughs> but it's that I think times have changed, where you know all, all these famous boxers have really paved the way well for women boxing, and just the fact that we can do it. And I think it was just more of a culture thing as well. Um, Travelers have quite a, a conservative culture where there's typical roles in what women do. Boxing wasn't one of them. Even though traveling women do fight, but they just, they, they do fight. But, um, but it just wasn't something that he wanted me to do. I, rem I, I can actually vividly remember I was sparring when I was young and my dad came in the gym and the trainer said to my dad, listen, she's, she's got it. She's, she's, she's good. And I remember another guy jumping in and saying, Oh, get her into modeling or something. Danny Lutter box. Don't Danny Lutter box, you know. So that's just the kind of environment it was. So it just wasn't really conducive at that time. But now he's now he's go for it. Got it. Good. And I know yeah. that Marquise mentioned your your brother fighting. Wasn't your father amateur boxer as well? I my dad my dad done some amateur boxing and and like I said with the traveling culture, there's a lot of bare knuckle fighting. So. Uh -huh. They're always they're always fighting and, and sorting out their differences that way, and it's and it's a, the traveling culture is actually a great interesting culture to where they'll settle their differences in a controlled boxing environment, bare knuckle, shake hands after, and they'll be good to go. So, so yeah, my dad did have a few amateur bouts, but but they're all my my family's full of boxers here and there. So, now how do you think that aspect of culture being able to 
fight whatever those issues out and then settle them aside. How do you think that compares to what you see possibly happening now in the United States in terms of how we handle conflict? Um, you know, looking back on that, when I, when I was saying that, that um, sorry, can we answer, ask that question again? It was a hard one. I basically want to kind of compare, and I don't want it to be hard for you. No, no, no. I, want, I want you to <laughs> compare what it was like in that culture to be able to sort of, if you had a, a difference, to sort of box it out and then set it aside versus what you might see um, in our culture today in terms of right. how we settle conflict. Well, listen, now in, in Scotland, in the traveling culture, it's very straight to the point. There's no, we're settling it. There's no behind the scenes, this and that, and, and, and it's, let's get figured out, let's get it sorted. And I think there's almost a refreshingness to that, that, you know, get it taken care of, get it sorted. Um, let's bring this issue to the attention, talk about it, we're here, get it sorted and, and shake hands and go on their way. And I think the shaking hands and going on the way is the best part. They figured it out, they've sorted their differences and, and, and that's it. And, and, you know, it's crazy and it sounds so, so, so barbaric, but that's still happening. That, that sort of thing happens even now back in Britain in the traveling communities. That's fascinating. Um, Marquise, I yes. want you to kind of take us back a little bit to the McCaskill fight. Can you um, segue us into that, talk a little bit about that, and then bring us forward to uh, a question that we have for Rose regarding um, women in boxing? Absolutely. Uh, Rose, as you know, on your Instagram, it says that you're a boxing enthusiast. So I'm sure you're pretty aware of what, what happened with, between uh, Jessica McCaskill and Cecilia Brakus and her title defense that happened in your neck of the woods uh, last August, where uh, McCaskill uh, defeated Brakus to snap her, not only her uh, win streak and to take her titles from her, become unified champion, also to stop the Joe Lewis, that, that's the streak that was going to be possibly a chance to be breaking, which was Joe Lewis's consecutive defenses, which is a heralded record at this point, which was a long-standing one, and it's going to be a long-standing one as well because McCaskill beat Brakus. Uh, my question to you is this, uh, Rose. Uh, with the state of women's boxing going on, where do you see it currently going for you, and, and just in general as, as, as a whole? Listen, all these fighters, they really put women's boxing on the map, and like I talked about when I was younger, when just women weren't seen in that role, things have changed so much, and they're paving the way. These people like Katie Taylor and all these fighters, they're just... They're making it so much easier. And so even, you know, even five years ago, I would have been like, uh, I don't know. But, uh, but nowadays, you know, it's just something that's possible. It's, it's you know, we're, we're planning on getting me a fight here coming up. And it's just something that's totally doable. And, and not just for me, but, you know, anyone, any girl that wants to get into it. You I know that. the comment. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Marquise. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, uh, Rose, because you, you mentioned you have a you mentioned you have a fight tentatively coming up. Any idea uh, in particular uh, uh, where it's going to be located by chance, or uh, how many rounds, etc.? It, it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be getting a girl, and I can't remember exactly her name, but it's supposed to be here in Woodward on the 26th. But you know what? I'm in the super heavyweight division, and there's just not a lot of girls in my weight class, so it's difficult. I think most women in general, although boxing is growing, it's still difficult for us to get fights. We've even got a, we've got a girl that fights for us, Nada Abara, and she's around, fights around 135, and she still finds it difficult to get fights. So as much as boxing's growing, and these boxers are paving the way for us, it's still hard. We're still not there yet. And uh, I think that's why it's so important that, you know, people like me, that I continue this, 
and keep going and help, you know, help pave the way so that one day girls will be getting fights left, right and center. We won't be having a spar with men all the time. You know, we'll have sparring partners, the same sex. And, and I think it'll be, um, it'll be good one day, but we're not quite there, but we're getting there. Absolutely. In fact, I want to parlay that to a question I had as well, actually, for you, Rose, because you mentioned your, your division you're finding is super heavy. And I know just in general, the landscape of women's boxing, just in general with the fighters at the top are having hard times finding uh, fighters, let alone uh, fighters just for you just in general. I uh, want to just figure out, just pick your brain on this, actually. Uh, what do you think would it take for it to become more of a mainstream appeal for women, women to be in boxing? You know, I, I, I think money rules the world. It does money. So there's, there's just got to be an, an influx of money. More girls have got to get into it. I think we've got to have, um, you know, I know professional women fight two-minute rounds. And a big, a big argument is, is we don't have enough knockouts and it's not appealing enough for men. Listen, you give us a three-minute round and maybe that'll help. Do you know what I mean? There's a first yes. step that I think we could, you give us three minutes. Guys, if you've not been in there and you've not done the difference between a two-minute round and a three-minute round, I'll tell you, it's like night and day. It's huge. So, and, uh, in fact, not, not to cut you off, Rose. In fact, I wanted to mention that as well, actually. Do you think that would help in, term, in terms of progress as well? Because that is, being, it is a big issue with it as well. And if, if, in fact, Cecilia Break is on an interview before her fight uh, that came up. She mentioned uh, people always talk about having women fight in three-minute rounds, but don't want to pay women three-minute money. So I understand what you're saying completely on that. Uh, just a segue to that, uh, with – with women's boxing just currently being where it is now uh, with the two-minute rounds, uh, can you just actually explain to people just the general difference, how it lays out in terms of strategy-wise? Because it, it usually, I know for you, when you're training, obviously you, you've been training for a while. And you're a world-class athlete, so you understand the, the, the times in the process. But just lay out just in general the difference just in strategy-wise between a two-minute round and a three-minute round for a fight. <laughs> strategy, here's the thing. You can, I feel like, and, and listen, I'm not, I'm not super versed in box and I'm still very new to it but I'll tell you this it's easier to survive a two minute round than it is a three minute round right yeah in a two minute round you're going to have to up your tempo it's just going to be so much quicker so much faster than what it would be in a three minute round but on the flip side of that the minute difference is just so much and especially when you start getting later on in the rounds it's it's just a different ball game and and one of the biggest arguments I hear I've said it and I'll say it again, women don't have enough knockouts, yada, yada, yada. A three-minute round, that's, that's going to be the difference right there. Once you've done five three-minute rounds, that's when, you know, that's when the differences in punches are really going to start taking effect. So what would you say to the naysayers? And one of the underlying arguments was for that McCaskill fight was don't compare women's boxing to men's boxing. What would be your comeback to that argument? it's just farcical I don't even understand don't compare women's boxing to men's boxing you're punching each other in the head you've got two people punching each other in the head what do you mean I, look, here's, here's the thing my last fight I knocked the girl out in 10 seconds you, it, how can it not be the same it's not basketball I mean basketball you could say okay um, different size balls I don't know so, we're doing a shorter round. That's the only difference. We're still we're punching each other in the head, and we're trying to beat the other person up. Men are doing it. Women are doing it. There's no difference. 
Come in the ring with me. Come in the ring with me and I'll show you. I'll show you the difference. (laughs) Well said. Well said. And more with Rose when the Making of Champion on Joe Lewis Bourbon and Podcast Detroit returns after this. All right. So we're back. Um, I have a good question for you that has kind of been burning in, in the back of my mind. What has inspired your passion for each of the sports that you've played? Listen, what's inspired my passion? I genuinely believe that I've just been given a God-given talent and anything that I do athletically that I put my mind to. I did, I stopped playing basketball. I excelled in basketball. You know, I'm one of the best players to come out of Scotland, one of the best players to come out of Britain. I excelled in it in basketball. I went to rugby. I played for four months, maybe four months, and I played international sevens. I was out on a rugby field with professional rugby players, and I still didn't even know the full rules of it. I'd done rowing. I competed my my four years of rowing in college, right? I did basketball, sorry. And then I did my year of rowing. I'd never touched an oar in my life. Never touched an oar. I walked up. I went on the air and did a, a, a 2K test. And he said, sign the dotted line, give me a scholarship. Done. Now I'm putting my hand to boxing and, and I'm excelling in it. And I can, I'm not exaggerating when I say I can be a world champion boxer. It's not, it's not, you know, I know that people are supposed to say things. You're talking to someone that has the potential to be a world champion boxer. So my belief is that it's God given. It's got to be a God given talent because whatever I put my hand at athletically. Now, I'm not an academic high flyer. I've got a brain in my head at times, but sports, anything I put my mind to, I excel in it. Tell us a little bit more about faith and family. Um, so my um, parents, I grew up Christian. My dad became uh, a Christian later on in life. And it's weird because in Scotland, I grew up and most of my friends were, were atheists. It's quite an openly, although it's a Christian country, quote unquote, it's quite an atheist place. It's a, a really diverse place and lots of different religions. And um, when I came to America, it was like, it was weird for me because like everyone was a Christian. So, so I grew up in a very Christian environment. And I think that's, you know, it's just helped me become the person that I am. And I like to think that I'm a decent person, unless you're in the ring with me, then I'm not very nice. Can you tell us about your wee little one, Walker? Walker, oh my gosh, he is so cute. He, he is. is. Yeah. <laughs> he is adorable. Yes. Oh, he's too cute, man. He's coming up for three and he's, he's going to be three end of November and he's just chatting and, and getting so talkative and his personality is developing. And it's really funny because when I go to boxing, I don't know, he won't say boxing. He'll say, oos, oos. So you know when you're boxing and you're like, oos, 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 when you're punching, like to get the air out? He says, mom, go, oos, oos. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to boxing. He's not said boxing yet, but he, but he says, oos, oos, so he's getting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you think he's going to um, have that same God-given talent that you have? Gosh, I hope so. I hope that, I hope that he has... I hope that he enjoys one sport. I don't care what it is, but I think that sport is just so important for developing character and so so many good things. 
I, I hope that he does something and I don't care what is as long as he's happy and he's and he's good at it. I know that um, there's an article that mentioned that you once dreamed of being a knockout in the boxing ring and I know that you're you're making that happen. Um, girls out there that are dreaming to do some of the same things that you're doing, what would you say to them? I'd say do not be afraid to do anything that you want to. I think, I think sometimes fear is what cripples us and stops us from doing things. And I think you just have to believe that you can do things. And I think that's one of the, the main things I talk about for me, Christianity and growing up, my mother installed in me that, that there was nothing that I couldn't do, that there was nothing. I had such a great upbringing and she was such a big influence on my life and just almost brainwash me to believe that I can do whatever I want and, and now I sit here as an adult and I'm not joking I can do whatever I want so I just think um, young girls anyone just believing in yourself and, and not being afraid to fail because it'll happen but not being afraid and not letting that hold you back and speaking of not being afraid and letting anything holding you back, I know that um, your wife, Taryn, posted on, I think it was April 1st, um, about her role as a first responder um, during this pandemic. Yes. And how there um, was a period of time that you spent um, apart um, yes. from both her and Walker. Um, that was so inspiring to read that post. Um, one question that she posts to all of us on her post was what is your why so mm. if you can kind of take us back a little bit and tell us what was going on in your life during that time I don't know if it still is going on but tell us about that time and then yeah. tell us what is your why so Taryn is um uh, she's a nurse in a hospital here in St. Francis and when obviously the coronavirus first started we were just terrified so we luckily have a little trailer out by the lake here so Walker and I, we just, um, we just said, all right, let's go. And we went out there and we stayed at the lake. And Taryn would actually, uh, once a week come, she'd stop at the side of the road and she'd drop groceries and she'd sit and watch us bringing in the groceries. We wouldn't talk. And we just thought it was better on Walker that, she, uh, that he didn't see her in person just because he's two and a half and it's so hard. He'd want to hug his mom. So uh, we did, you know, uh, Skype and FaceTime and all. All that stuff so so yeah it was, it was rough it was hard and then as things progressed um and things got better at the hospital um we slowly transitioned back in but we still take uh huge precautions um she's still you know there's still corona patients that do come in here and there so so we have to be careful so so yeah it, it was a rough deal for us a rough deal but we got through it and you know what you you, you have to make these sacrifices when there's something that we don't know about you just can't you have to err on the side of caution you just can't be taking risks for not for yourself and not for other people so but we're moving forward and we're getting there so for a woman who was the first Scott um, to be in the Olympics the first alumni at your University of Central Oklahoma alma mater to be named um, on the Olympic squad um, and then one of many first what is your why why do you do what you do beside it being a God-given talent? I do because it's fun. 
I, you enjoy it. I think you have to enjoy the things that you do. It has to give you fulfillment. It has to make you happy. And, you know, when things aren't making you happy, you don't want to do it. So my why is happiness, I guess, getting fulfillment from these things. And what Absolutely. do you think has been your, yes, and what do you think has been your greatest accomplishment? With a woman that's had so many accomplishments, what has been your greatest? Probably my son, honestly. He brings so much joy to me. And I think in life, I think you, at times you think you're important. Maybe I'm important because I made the Olympic team. I played in the Olympics or whatever. But being a mother is so much more than that. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think being Mo Walker's mom is, is the biggest accomplishment. Rose, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight on the Making of Champions. Thank you, guys. How can we... How can we find you? We know that you're at the engine room. You know that you um, are down there with David Perez. How can we find you for wanting to look up some more information on your upcoming fight? Yeah, I'll be posting on my Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram, Rose Branscom Anderson. I post most of my stuff on there. I post, uh, you know, on my story videos of me training and our progress. So you can catch me on there. And Marquise, how can we find you? As always, you can find me at BigFightWeekend.com or on Twitter at WeekSauceRadio. That's where you can find most of my usual musings and boxing news. Okay, and you'll find me here um, at the Making of Champions podcast on Joe Lewis Bourbon every week on Thursdays. Good night.